You are listening to a Cold Lake Community Church podcast. We hope today's message inspires you. Cold Lake Community Church, a place where families connect. So that is today. Uh, and I get to speak on legacy. How fun. Uh, initially, I just want to go over the scripture that I really felt God placed on my heart um, for this weekend, just because this is an amazing church. Agreed? An awesome church. Yes, pouring into families, right? Giving their time, their talents, their energy. It is no small feat to put on a whole conference. There are a lot of pieces to this puzzle. And this church decided to make that a priority. And that is awesome. This is an investment into future. This is kingdom building right here. So thank you. Thank you, Cold Lake Church. This is awesome. The scripture that I had was from John chapter 8, verse 12. And it says, I, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. He that follows me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of light. No, shall have the light of life. That's how it is. And, you know, the theme was arrows, raising arrows. And it, it struck me, like, it's really hard to to aim an arrow in the dark. And I, and I felt like a lot of parents in particular yesterday for the parenting seminar, I think a lot of us have felt like we're parenting in the dark. We don't know. We don't know what we're doing. We don't really, we're just going by what other people have done, what we read online, what maybe our parents did or our grandparents or what the neighbor at Walmart is telling us to do in the parking lot. I'm not even joking. I have had strangers come up to me in Walmart and tell me what I'm doing wrong. And, right? We don't know. Sometimes it feels like we're parenting in the dark. And even today, as I'm going to be speaking on legacy, whether you're a parent or not, doesn't it, it sometimes feel like we're doing this thing, we're trying to live our lives, we're figuring it out in the dark. So I, I just want to challenge you today. I think that the Lord has something for you, whether you have little people, whether you have grown people, Right? Whether you have no little people of your own, but I suspect you've seen them. You probably do life with them. Maybe you, maybe you serve, maybe you're volunteering in the nursery or you serve with the children's classes. Or maybe even just in this, in this community, in our church community, there are these little people. They run around, they get into trouble. Right? You do life with them. So regardless of whether you have a family unit that has children today, I want you to know that there's something in this message for you. As we talk about legacy, it's important. And there's much that you can be doing to be developing the next generation. So I just want to open in prayer. Father, I thank you so much, Lord. I thank you that, that we were never meant to do this alone. I thank you, Father, that you have a purpose and a plan for every person here, for every family that's represented here, Lord. And no matter what the situation, Father, I just pray that everyone right now would be able to shake off any shame, any guilt, any condemnation that they would, they're, they're not here, Lord. Any families maybe that even fought all the way here, <laughs> in the car, all the way, maybe any parents that were yelling at their kids, just trying to get out of the house today, that we would just feel like, okay, we're here. We're here, and we have open hearts, and we're ready to hear from you. We're ready to learn. Lord, I just, I pray against any of the distractions. I pray against any guilt or shame. And Father, I just say that collectively we agree that we just want to do better. We want to know more. And above all, we want to do it with you. 
So I thank you for your word in Jesus' name. All right. So I want to talk about legacy today. And the, the title is Leaving a Legacy That Lasts. We're all leaving a legacy. You are. Whether you know it or not, whether you like it or not, you are leaving a legacy. You are going to be remembered somehow. How will that be? Are you going to be, you know, like, does every family have that weird, crazy Uncle Joe? Does every? There's, every family has that one person, you know, that at family events, it's like, oh, I don't know about that guy, right? Every family has that one. If your family, Pastor Mark was joking, if your family doesn't have that guy, maybe you're that guy, right? <laughs> maybe that's you. <laughs> you might want to ask somebody, am I the weird Uncle Joe? Is that me? Uh, so every family has that. Every, every, every family has, you know, that person. And every person has that legacy. You're going to be remembered. How do you want it to be? You are leaving a legacy. You can look back at your family tree, maybe around the dinner table. You can ask your parents or your grandparents, you know, what was, what was my great-grandmother like? What was grandpa like? What was it like growing up with him? Maybe they're alive and you can talk to them directly, which would be wonderful, a huge blessing. But you are leaving a legacy. How are those people remembered to you? Hopefully well, right? But it doesn't always work out that way. So how do you want to be remembered? I want to be remembered. My goal is to be remembered as an awesome great-grandmother who still prayed for her grandchildren, who still spent time, who still tried to teach them the word of God who was kind and patient. That, that's what I want. What do you want? Today, I'm going to give you tools. We're actually, I've created a step-by-step -step plan to actually craft the legacy. And I want you to think about that. Whether you have little people at home, whether your kids are grown and off, you, you're not done. Even if you have no children with you, there are people you do life with. You have family members, you have parents, sisters, brothers, co-workers, neighbors. You have a family, you have people you do life with, and you are leaving a legacy to them. So what is it going to be? In Colossians chapter 3, verse 2, it says, Set your mind and keep focused habitually on the things above, the heavenly things, not on things that are on the earth, which have temporal value. And the Greek word here for set actually emphasizes an ongoing decision. Paul encourages us to continually set our minds, like every day set our minds on the things above. It's not just a one time. It's continually. We have to, you know, over and over, oh yeah, I reset. I'm setting my mind on things above. Proverbs 29.8 says, where there is no vision, no revelation of God and his word, the people perish. They are unrestrained. But happy and blessed is he who keeps the law of God. The Hebrew word for vision here means revelation from God. We need his revelation for us. And perish, right? Where there is no vision, the people perish. What does perish mean? I always just kind of thought like, eh, done. To me, perish meant death just meant like that's it but actually when you look it up in the amplified bible it means to suffer death typically in a violent sudden or untimely way okay that's no fun 
<laughs> or it can also mean suffer complete ruin or destruction. Oh. It can mean fade or wither. Maybe that's how it looks for a lot of us. We start off strong, but we don't have the revelation of God. And we're going to do all these things because, you know, because the book says so, or because the TV show said so, or because my grandmother said so. We're going to do all these things, but if we don't have revelation from God, maybe it fades, it withers over time. In fact, it even goes on in the Amplified Bible to say, to rot or decay. Wow. Where there is no revelation from God, the people decay. Hmm. And I have felt that in my life. I have actually, I've felt that. I've felt when I have disconnected from God. I, you know, God never, never turns from me. I just sometimes choose to step over here and do it my way because I know more than the creator of the universe. Right? <laughs> and when I choose that, I start to feel disconnected. I start to feel lonely. I start to feel isolated. I start to feel my spirit wither, maybe a little bit of decay. Come on now, anybody? I've been there. We need revelation from God. And then about this message in Proverbs 13:22, we learn a good man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. So it's, if it's not enough to scare you that you're leaving a legacy, whether you know it or not, whether you like it or not, and people around you are going to be talking about you after you're gone, I want to say that actually we are called to leave a legacy, not just for our kids, for our children's children. Are you scared? No pressure. We got to get this right. We got to do this. This speaks of legacy. This is a legacy that we want to leave. We can do it. When we talk about inheritance for our children's children, most people think of finances, right? First thing, you're like, oh, man, I don't even have enough for me. <laughs> never mind my kids. Never mind my children's children. Like, oh, I'm never going to get there. I understand. Most people, that's when we talk about inheritance, when we talk about legacy, most of us, our brains just go to finances. And that is one area, yes. And that would be nice, right? Wouldn't, you wouldn't mind if you were given an inheritance. None of us would mind. But uh, financial is important, but it's not the most important. So we're going to talk about that first because it's the most obvious. Financial legacy is important, but never at the cost of others. Never at the cost of the relationship. And we can get it wrong. There's a story of a dad in Africa who bought a few cattle for each child to care for. And then... As they got older, they cared for these cattle and they multiplied. And then when they were old enough, they could actually sell off the livestock and it was enough for a down payment for a home. Brilliant. That's really cool. That's an inheritance. Uh, parents investing to help with their children's education. It's wonderful. It's beautiful. That's an inheritance. We love that. That's, that's helping your, the next generation. Uh, buying cars and cell phones are considered bad debt. That's not really pouring into the next generation. That's not really going to last for an inheritance. But something like education, that's beautiful. A single mother tried to put a portion of her child tax away here and there into a savings account. And when her son was older, he gave her that lump sum, hidden that lump sum. We don't know how much it was. It was a single mom doing the best that she could, just socking some away. But that son knew it. That son knew it. When he was given that small, that nest egg, 
Do you think he went and blew it on clothes? No, he knew that his mother had worked hard and she had scrimped and saved in order to provide that for him. That was an inheritance. He was very careful. These are all incredible gifts. And I don't want to minimize that. That can be a, that can be a life changer for, for your kids or your, your children's children, absolutely. But I propose that this category is actually the least important. Right? We're going to talk about some other areas of legacy that I think are more important. Uh, we truly want a legacy that will be passed down from generation to our children's children. Wow. So the first category is character, a character legacy. You know, you're leaving a legacy based on your character. They say it's easier to build strong men and women than to repair broken hearts. Can we start off the way we mean to go? Can we work on the front end instead of having to do the damage, just like, like Pastor said about, you know, when you're in your 40s, having to then now try and pick up all these brokenness and fix it there. Let's, let's start off the way we mean to go. What about a character school? If there was a school for character, what would it look like? What would, if you could send your kids to character school, I imagine it would be a lot of work. They would just have to do a lot of work, <laughs> right? If you look back on your life, where did you grow the most in character? Right? Through hard things. If, the, if I could provide a character school, it'd be a lot of chores. It would be a lot of responsibilities. It would be a lot of hard work. And it would be a lot of learning from mistakes. Here, try this really hard thing. And then if it fails, well, let's talk about it. Let's grow. What did you learn? Let's try again. Here, try this really hard thing. Oh, you don't feel like cleaning the kitchen? Well, that's too bad. You get to clean the kitchen. <laughs> let's talk about that. Did you learn responsibility? Did you learn perseverance? Yes. Did you learn how to do hard things and see them through and not quit? These are awesome character qualities. And as parents, I just want to encourage you that sometimes we forget and we, we fall into the, the trap of we just want to keep our kids happy. But happiness doesn't produce a whole lot of character. And if our goal as parents is just to create a happy environment for our kids, we are setting them up for a lifetime of disappointment. So parents, I just want to challenge you. We, we can do it. Our goal, our job is not to just keep our kids happy. Our job is to teach them character. So what do we need to do? What do we need to put in place? Galatians 5.22 says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, you know this, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against these things there is no law. And I have a bit of a warning for you. Wherever you are in your life, are you more patient than you were last year? Do you have more self-control than you did five years ago? Right? What about kindness? Are you more kind? Because you know what? Nobody ever says, gee, when I get older, I want to be bitter and cranky. <laughs> Nobody ever says that. But yet, don't nudge your neighbor. Don't look anywhere, eyes down. But yet, it happens all the time. I, I've known people beautiful people, but as they got older, they fell into the, well, I put up with that for years. I'm not going to put up with that anymore. <gasps> well, 
I'm not going to do that anymore. I served in the nursery for years. I paid my dues. I don't want to do it anymore. Really? <laughs> what, is this, what does this verse tell us? To grow in the fruit of the Spirit. I should be more patient when I'm 80 than I am right now, not less. I should have more kindness, more self-control, more goodness tomorrow than I do today. We are called to grow in the fruit of the Spirit. And let me tell you, those of you that farm or grow plants, I'm not very good at it, but maybe you are. If something isn't growing, what is it? It's dying. If it's not growing, there's something wrong. There is no pausing the fruit of the Spirit. No, there's no time out. <laughs> if you are not actively growing and developing in the fruit, there's something wrong. And nobody ever says, I want to be old and bitter, but it happens all the time. So I challenge you guys, are you still serving? Are you still loving? Are there things that maybe in your own life where you've said, well, I don't, I'm not doing that anymore. I'm done. I did that already. I did that once, and then I got hurt. Or I'm not letting people talk to me like that anymore. I'll show them. That's a warning, you guys. Maybe there are real issues that you need to work on. Maybe there are real conflicts that we can, we can figure out. I'm not discounting that, but don't just cut yourself off. Don't just get resentful and bitter. We can do better. You don't want that legacy. Romans 5, 3 to 5 says, More than that, we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. We can't be afraid. We can't be afraid of a little bit of suffering, a little bit of hard work ourselves. We can't be afraid to force the younger people to do a little bit of suffering. It's okay. They will be all right. I want to encourage you to teach character to your kids. We need to. We want them to, to know how to live and function in society. And I, as a family coach, I work with families whose kids, you know, maybe they're 18, 19 years old, and they're about to leave home, and they don't know how to cook craft dinner. They've never ridden a bus. They don't know how to go online and pay a bill. Right? So I would challenge you. the pastors like, yes, preach it, preach it. <laughs> they don't know how to do these things. So I would encourage you to make a list of all the things you want them to know by 18, by the time they launch, especially here, right? Because here, if they're going to go on to any kind of education, they're leaving home, right? Not like where I'm from. They can still live in my basement until they're 40. You know, they can do that. Oh, Sean says, no, that's not allowed. But for you guys, if they're going to go on, they likely have to leave. So what do they need to know by 18? Make a list. Think of every possible thing they will need for life. And now backtrack. Okay, we're going to reverse engineer this thing. Let's hack it. If they need to know this by 18, what can they know by 16? What can they know by 14? You know, what can they know by 10? What can they know by six? I teach four-year-olds to start doing productive chores that add value to the family that they can feel good about. When I ask kids sometimes, I'll meet little kids and I'll say, well, what, what is your job? And they'll, you can tell the kids that have done some work and they've learned some responsibility. They'll stand tall and be like, well, I help my dad. 
I help my dad do this thing, or I help my mom, or I empty the dishwasher. You know, even the little ones, what do you do? I put all the boots back. That's what I do. And they stand a little taller, and they're proud. Some kids, I ask them, what is your job? Uh, uh, I play video games. I watch TV. I play. It's, mm, right? You can start. I act, there are things that even at two years old, you can start to be teaching your kids. And something that I like to encourage families is, is that I don't want, because I have three boys, I don't want me to be running around the house doing all the work and cleaning and cooking while my kids are sitting on the couch watching TV. So our family has a loose rule that goes, and they've heard this before, we all work together, we all play together. We work together. I never want that. I never want them to get used to the idea that someone else is going to be running around cleaning up after them while they just sit and relax. Flip side, I have worked with families where these are, this is less common, I would say, where the kids have had to do all the work. They have been made to be like slaves in the home and they do everything and the mom watches movies. Okay, let's, that's a little extreme, right? No, it, neither of those are good options. We all work together and then we all play together. We have fun, we play board games, we do good things. What can you incorporate right now? Even a two-year-old can be given a wet cloth and you can say, here, just wipe something. You could anything. Wipe a baseboard. Nobody ever cleans them anyway. Wipe a baseboard. <laughs> wipe a table leg. Like something. Something. I have a resource at the back. Come and talk to me. And it actually breaks down chores into what I suggest is a good starting place. If you're thinking, yeah, I need to do this, but I have no idea where to start, come and see me after this. Um, adult skills. They need to know it. And it's really tough. I mean, maybe this was you. Maybe you didn't know. I wasn't made to do chores when I was growing up. And I, I wish that I was, actually, because I left home. I had to get into school. I had to figure that all out. And in addition, I didn't know how to make a budget. I didn't know how to get groceries or cook a meal for myself. I didn't know how to take care of my basic needs. It was very stressful. It was very overwhelming. I had a bunch of anxiety over it. It actually would have helped me if I had those skills ahead of time. I think I could have done better in school had those things been a non-issue for me. So you're not actually saving them. Okay? You're not actually saving them any pain if you put this off. You'll actually give them more confidence when they do leave home. And really, what we want is for our kids to have responsibility and, most of all, integrity. Right? Character leads to integrity. We want that for our kids. Integrity is a steadfast adherence to a strict moral or ethical code. When you combine character integrity, here's what you get. Character is the moral and ethical code, and integrity means that you will actually live according to the, the code. You will do the hard thing. You will persevere even when it's challenging. You can know what to do. You can have, you know, you can teach your kids right and wrong, but if they don't have the integrity and the perseverance to actually walk it out, then we're encouraging a generation that kind of knows what to do here, but not here. They kind of know that what they're doing is wrong, but they'll do it next week. They'll do it next year. They'll do it. They're going to come back to church once they, have, they get married and settle down because, because being a Christian is boring, right? We need to teach them to do the hard thing and to live it out now. So 
It's hard. It's, a it's hard. I spent a lot of my time helping parents get this one down. It's really hard. And sometimes it triggers our own, our own things and it brings up our own stuff, maybe from our childhood, maybe some beliefs that we've held, talking about lies from the enemy that we've had over these types of things, maybe our own upbringing. So it's important that we start and just know that it's hard. This isn't easy stuff. The easiest path would be just do it yourself because you can be done it in half the time and then you don't have to think about it, right? But it's not the best way. Proverbs 22.1 says, A good name earned by honorable behavior, godly wisdom, moral courage, and personal integrity is more desirable than riches. I would even suggest... You may disagree with me on this. I would even suggest that a good name, character, integrity is more valuable than academics. What's going to serve them better in 20 years, right? A philosophy to work hard or just having that A, right? In my home, my kids don't always like it, but in my home, I'll say character trumps everything. We will stop all school. We will stop assignments. You will be late for, for things. You will not show up to your class. You will miss diving practice. You will not be at softball games. You will be late with that assignment because character comes first. I will stop everything, like full stop, character. And they know that. That is the most important thing. Everything stops, and we deal with character. So kids need to know, they need to know that it's important to you. They need to know that this is something worth doing. And they need to kind of be made to suffer a little bit. Because nobody's going to say, please, mom, please, dad, please, uncle, grandpa, please make me do all these things that I don't want to do. No, they're not going to say that. But you can do it. We actually want kids, and I teach teens, there are four basic rules of life. Four rules that if you can actually, if you can nail these rules, you have your whole life ahead of you. You can do anything God calls you to do if you can nail these four basic rules of life. And they are, you need to know how to follow instructions. You practice at home, but you need to know this for life. You need to know this for your job. You need to know this from your heavenly father. When he gives you an instruction, you need to know how to follow it. Number two, you need to learn how to handle a no answer. That's tough, hey, parents? <laughs> That's tough. Um, any teachers in the room? <laughs> they need to know how to handle a no answer. And that's true for young kids. That's true for teens. Is that true for you? Yeah. We need to know how to handle a no answer. Number three, we have to accept consequences. No fun at all. We all need to grow in this. Our kids, our teens, ourselves. We need to accept the consequences that we have earned. And number four, we need to know how to disagree appropriately. Can I just say, we have a problem in our culture right now that we, for some reason, it's not acceptable to disagree. We can disagree. We can do it and still respect each other. We can do it and still get along. In fact, we can do it and still hug or shake hands after and say, you know what? You're great. You are great. I, I disagree with this point, and that's okay because I still love you. And I could be wrong. In 10 years, I could be wrong. Any of you, can you think of something that 10 years ago you were like, yeah, I 100% believe this, and now you're like, ooh, I hope that's not online anywhere. Anybody? <laughs> Anybody? Right? In 10 years, you may disagree with something you say today, 
Let's keep that in mind. Our kids need to know how to disagree appropriately. We need to teach them the skills. And if the only place they're seeing it is on social media, they are learning inappropriate ways, right? It is not okay to just explode and vent everything out on, online. We need to teach them a better way to handle it. And just ignoring the problem is not going to solve it because as Christians, we just have become quiet. We don't want to disagree. We don't want to hurt feelings. We can do it. We have to teach our kids to disagree appropriately. We have to model it. We need to know how to disagree well. Conflict resolution. It's really important to stay calm. It's really important to teach these things to our kids. If you have an anger issue, talk to me. I used to yell every single day. I used to yell at my kids every day. So if you struggle with anger or yelling, come and see me afterwards. We can work on that. It's really hard to teach character to your kids while you're yelling at them. Stop that. You know, quit yelling. <laughs> That's really hard to do. We can work on these things. Do not ruin relationships because of behavior. If your kids are doing something wrong, well, let me say, when your kids are doing something wrong, don't ruin the relationship. Right? That's more important than whatever the behavior is, whatever the issue is. And like I said yesterday, you can use this with kids. You can use this with coworkers. You can use this with your parents. When there is a conflict, ask yourself, what is their heart saying? Right? The behavior is this. Maybe they're overreacting. Maybe there's yelling. Maybe there's a tantrum on the floor. Maybe there's been fighting. Maybe an adult is refusing to talk to you. What's going on? What is their heart saying? What's, what's underneath the behavior? Right? And you can pray and ask God to show you that. So that's a character legacy. Will you commit to working on that? You've got people in your life that are looking and they're watching you, and you are leaving a legacy to them. We can do better. We can grow in the fruit of the Spirit. The next category is cultural Cultural legacy. This one's fun. <laughs> that one was heavy. This one's fun. Cultural legacy. These are like the traditions. These are the, the habits that your family does. Now, no matter how old your family is, whether you have grandkids or grandparents, what are the traditions and habits that are in your home, that are in your life? Maybe you would say, every summer we did this. We went camping. Maybe you would say, every Thanksgiving we would get together and have a big meal together. Maybe for some, it's every Saturday we would have pancake brunch. What is it that makes your family you? And write those things down. They're really important. They're more important than I think we realize. When you ask kids, you know, what is your family like? They actually will go back to the traditions and the habits of your culture. They will say, oh, well, if you ask little kids, and you can do that. You can go home and you can ask little people in your life. You can ask grandkids. You can ask nieces, nephews. What is our family about? And they'll say, oh, well, every Christmas we go to church, and then we have appetizers, and then we watch a movie. They, will, they might say that. They'll say, you know, every, every winter we go tobogganing. Or they might say, you know what, every Sunday we go to church. Is that a part of your culture, your church family culture? Maybe it is. Our kids remember that. And in fact, if I were to ask you, what was your family like growing up? What was your family about? You would probably say, well, we were about hockey, or we were about church, or we were about sports. We would watch games on TV. Like, you would typically think of events 
traditions, things that you, your family did. So what, this is your chance to be intentional. What do you want your family to be known for? Do you want them to be known for church? Because if you take off, I'm just the meanie now, if you take off all of hockey season, what is that? This is a hockey town, right? I, we've got one too. We've got hockey, we've got farming, and then we've got cabins. If you take off a whole season, what is that saying to the people in your life? When we ask your people, when we ask your kids, your nieces, your parents, whatever it is, when we ask them, what is your family about? What would they say? Would they say we go to church? That's important to us? What's important? You need to be intentional. You need to make it happen. They will remember. And the good news is you don't actually have to do it every single week. Like if you go to church 50 weeks of the year and you miss two, your kids aren't going to remember that. They're going to remember that you went to church all the time. So, so we're never going to be 100% consistent, and that's okay. We do something every Sunday. We call it Sunday Sunday, and we have like a family meeting. And I would say, even, in fact, even more recently, we're even less consistent. I need, to do, I need to get better. But I would say we probably do it 60% of the time. But if you ask my kids, they would be like, oh, yeah, that's what we do. We do that. So there's some good news in all of this. You, you do not have to be perfect None of us are. But be intentional. What is the goal? What do I want? What do you want birthdays to look like? I know a mom that every birthday she lets the person, the birthday person, pick out a cereal. Because in her house, they don't have cereal. So on birthday, you can pick out whatever cereal you want. And I think someone got Timbits cereal. That is a thing. That's a, you could eat Timbits for breakfast now. So happy birthday to them. <laughs> Happy birthday to them. They got to have cereal for breakfast. Uh, lots. What do you guys do for birthdays? Maybe you let the birthday person pick out a meal. Maybe they get to choose the supper. Maybe you guys go out for supper. What do you do? Be intentional. Think to yourself, what do I want birthdays to look like? What can I craft? This is a legacy you will be remembered by. Your family is going to be known. And what's really cool is as, as you, the people, the little people grow up, they might, they might continue that legacy into their children. That would be pretty awesome. What can you do with that? Um, what about weekends? Do you want weekends to be known for something? What about Easter, Christmas, those big events, New Year's, summer? Do you guys go camping every summer? Do you have a family trip? Do you do a barbecue? Get creative. Have like a minute to win it games night. Do something fun. Have a movie night where you invite families to join in. Start stuff. Think, what do I want? What do I want in my family? And no matter where you're at, again, if your kids are grown, you are not disqualified. There are still things you can do to pour into the people around you. Even if you have no kids living here or if you have no kids yourself, there are people that desperately need help. There are families, likely right here in this church, that would love that would love to have someone that would commit to praying for them, to spend time with them, to maybe teaching them something. Maybe you have a skill, a talent. Maybe you're great at sewing or knitting or car repair or painting or carpentry. Or What do you have that you can intentionally use to pour into some people around you? Nobody is disqualified from this. 
some fun cultural things you can do. Hmm. Even things like picking your kids up from school. You could start a joke. You know, a fun thing. And this actually helps anxiety. If you've got a child, this is something that I would use when I'm working with families that struggle with anxiety. But if you have a child that really struggles in school and they don't want to go to school and they don't want to be away from you, a really great tip is that you can talk about a joke of the day. And when you drop them off in the morning, you can say, I can't wait to see you after school. I've got a really funny joke for you. And then we call that bridging, and it's kind of tying them to the next time we see again. It's something to remember. Oh, yeah, after school, Dad's going to tell me a funny joke, or Mom's going to try and find a funny joke after school. She thinks it's going to be really good. We'll see. It's fun. It's fun. And you know what? It's a great way to reset because parents... If you are either picking your kids up from school or if they're coming home from school or maybe you've worked all day and it's 5 or 5.30 and you're walking in the door, it's really hard because for kids, their day is done. But for parents, you're just starting job number two, right? Because you're thinking, I got supper, I got to clean, I got to do the laundry, we got to get to this activity, I got to help with spelling, we got to do reading, we got to do baths. Like it's going to be hours before I get a break right? I get it. I've been there. But I want to encourage you guys to find just that 10 minutes of reset time, something that you can use to intentionally make sure that you can meet your kids with delight, that they would see joy on your face, that the first time you see them, there would be a smile and and a glint in your eye, and you would be like, welcome. So good to see you. I've missed you. I'm so glad we're together again. What do you need to do to remind yourself of that? You can set an alarm in your phone. These are wonderful. Alarms and phones are great. You can have like 15 alarms going for all different things. You can set an alarm like reminder, reminder, you know what, you need to serve your family. Remember, delight, delight in your children, right? What can you do? So, and it's fun. It's a fun way. So a joke of the day is kind of fun. You can just print a bunch off, keep them in your in your, your purse, so you can take a screenshot and keep them on your phone. It's super fun. Why did the scarecrow win a prize? Because he was outstanding in his field. But um, yeah, it's so good, right? Right? How come? How come the crab doesn't give to charity? <laughs> because he's shellfish. Super fun. You can print these off. You can do them after school. You can, you can say them in the morning at breakfast. You can do them at the dinner table. It could be the joke of the day. What a great way to just build that culture. And then what a legacy. Oh, remember Grandpa? He was so funny. He always had these jokes, these horrible jokes, right? They were so fun. We always were smiling, and he was always ready to see us, and he always delighted to spend time with us. That's what I want. We can be intentional about crafting that. And then the last one, spiritually. This is the most important. You are leaving a spiritual legacy for your children. Do you want your grandchildren to love Jesus? Like, really? Do you want your grandchildren to love the Lord? Is that important to you? Yeah, we need to build into that for our children's children. 
In 1 Samuel, Eli was a priest who worked for God at the temple. You're probably familiar with this. This one, oh, this one. He trained Samuel. Eli trained Samuel, who went on to serve God, while his own sons fell away. They were rebellious. They got into trouble. And don't get me wrong, our kids always get to choose how they will act. If you have got people, if you have got kids grown that aren't serving the Lord, I, I don't want you to feel shame at this. This is a warning for us all. Kids do get to, to choose how they will act. They absolutely get to make that decision. So I don't want you to feel shame and guilt over that. But we want the best for our kids, right? And Eli, he worked really hard. He did great in the church. He trained Samuel so well. But yet his own kids, his own kids fell away. And for me personally, that's a real warning. I am a doer. I like to be involved. I could be, I probably could be at church every day of the week. I could be, because I'm the director of women's ministry. I lead other things. I, I think I just, I want to do it all. I love to serve. I love to serve in my church. I love to volunteer. And if I'm not careful, I could spend so much time there that my own kids are going to get missed. Now, please don't hear what I'm not saying. You need to serve in your church. <laughs> you absolutely need to serve in your church. I like, when I'm mentoring people, I like to say, I would love to see them serving in an area that they feel called to. And then I would also love to see them in an area that just needs to happen. Like, nobody ever says, Jesus called me to clean the toilet. Nobody ever does. I like to see it dual. I want to wor work within my own gifting and strength, but I also just want to serve because there's a need, right? Super important, but not at the expense of your own family, your own children. So that's a real warning. I never want to become so involved in ministry that I lose sight of the salvation of my own family. You have a place in God's story. You have a place in the church. But you also have to make sure that your, your own family is, is getting that legacy. You have a purpose. So there was a panel for church leaders. This was church leaders, pastors, youth pastors, youth workers. And it was about over-programming. And, and, and they even said, it's funny, they were saying, how do we fix this? Because the problem is... If we, plan, like, if we plan too many things in the church, if there's something going on in the church every single night, then we're, we're, we actually feel bad. As leaders, we feel like, ooh, we actually don't want the family here every single night. We want them to be at home. And so then we tried, we tried this thing where we said, okay, we're actually telling you to everybody just stay home one night a week, or everyone stay home on Thursday night, and you can have that as a family night, and you can grow together. But the problem was the parents just signed up for activities. <laughs> They just filled that time slot in with other activities. So then the church is like, well, now I don't know what, because if they're already being busy, we'd rather have them here. <laughs> what do we do? What do we do with that? It's really hard. Over-programming is a real thing. Um, it's a constant daily effort. And here's the thing. Parents, it's your responsibility to teach your children their spiritual legacy. It is not the church's responsibility to teach your children their faith, right? And it can be easy to do. Just send them to Sunday school. Just let Pastor Cynthia do it. She'll do it. 
But it is actually not her job to do that. She, her job is to come alongside you guys and to build into what you're doing and to be a support and to encourage the kids in their faith and to support what you're already doing. So it can't just be the church. We need to be intentional. And there are ways you can do it. You can, you can have one night a week where it's your family night. Lots of people have family nights. Usually it's pizza and a movie, right? Usually. It starts off with this lofty board game night, and then we realize that board games at 7 o'clock at night are not a great idea. Because <laughs> board games are hard, especially Candyland. Candyland is the worst. It is... <laughs> It is the worst game ever. I'm not a fan of Candyland. Uh, but board games for our family were really, really hard. Board games because particularly we have one that is very determined to win. And I found that if I went into a board game thinking, oh, this is going to be fun. We're just going to relax. If I went into a board game with that attitude, it just went awful. Like family devotion night turned into family feud, turned into early bedtime and mom crying in the corner. Like it was terrible. And so I encourage you guys, board games are awesome ways to teach character. Board games are training. You get to actually see how your kids are, are relating to each other. You actually get to see conflict, appropriate and inappropriate, at work. Just in a board game. So I would suggest board games are awesome, but maybe not when you're all tired. Okay? <laughs> maybe that'd be a good Sunday afternoon activity, not a like Wednesday at 8 o'clock at night activity would be my suggestion. But if you are going to do a family devotion night, those are great. Many parents just, it's become uh, a movie night, which is okay. So what I suggest is that before the movie, you do a quick little character thing, a quick little thing. It could be a fun one is Jeremiah. Jeremiah 8.6, I believe. I'll find it for you. Oh, I don't have it. Jeremiah 8.6, I believe, says, um, like a, f what is it, a horse? Oh, I don't have it. Okay, let's look it up. We're looking it up now. Jeremiah 8.6. This is a fun activity for kids. Has anybody found it? Oh, yes. Okay. No man repented of his wickedness, saying, what have I done? Everyone turned to his own course as the horse rushes into the battle. So a fun activity you can do with your kids is you can give them some marshmallows, and you can get them to chew them up really good. So they're like frothing. Have you ever seen? You can show them a picture of a horse going into battle. Have you seen? There's like sweat flying. There's like sticky froth like dripping off their chin. For boys, this is particularly fun, I would say. And you get them to chew it, chew it, chew it, chew it, and it's like coming out of their mouth. And you could say, okay, see, who can get as much froth going from the marshmallows? And then take pictures of it and then compare. And everyone can make their most angriest, like most disgusting, like uh, charging into battle face. And then you can take a picture of each one and then you can just compare and decide who wins, who was the most angriest horse rushing into battle. And from there, you can have a conversation about anger. You know what? When we refuse to repent, when we, when we do not speak right, when we don't handle things well, we can be like that horse. We can go rushing in. 
We can just charge and we only want to get our way and we don't want to think about other people and we don't want to actually listen to anyone and we don't want to repent. We can be just like that horse charging into battle. So that's a quick, a quick character development that you can do with all ages of kids and then you can have your movie night. How long would that take? 10, 5 to 15, 10 minutes or so. That's all it takes, a couple of minutes. So I suggest parents do frozen pizza, don't make a fancy supper, do paper plates. You can recycle them, it's okay. And then, you know what, do your movie night. But before that, do something like this. We can find them. There's books of them. There's online suggestions. We can find quick little character things. And then you will be remembered, guys, as, you're, as parents, perhaps as grandparents. Grandparents, you could do this. Aunts, uncles, youth leaders, you could do this with the people in your life and be remembered not, you know, not just as a person of prayer, but also, hey, they like took the time to build into me. They were intentionally passing their faith on to me. And I think that's important. It doesn't have to be that hard. We feel like we're not qualified. We feel like, you know, we don't have a Bible school degree. We don't know what to do. It doesn't have to be that hard. I would say even just do it badly. <laughs> do it badly. Just start. Just start. Have conversations with your kids. What would you like to learn about? Let's learn about it together. This church, you guys have access to Right Now Media which our family uses as our devotion every week. We pick one, we watch it, we talk about it. We don't follow, just so you know, there are some that have like leader's guides and discussion questions. We do none of that. <laughs> we just watch it, talk about it, and pray. That's all. That's all we do. So maybe we need to lower the bar, right? If you've had something so high in your head that it's actually paralyzed you from starting, can I say, just start. Do it badly get better over time. Can that be a good goal? I want to close with Deuteronomy 6. I'm going to read it from the message translation, but you can read it any way that, you know, in your own Bible. Deuteronomy 6. This is the commandment, the rules and regulations that God, your God, commanded me to teach you to live out in the land you're about to cross into to possess. This is so that you'll live in deep reverence before God lifelong, observing all his rules and regulations that I'm commanding you, you and your children and your grandchildren, living good, long lives. Listen obediently, Israel. Do what you're told so that you'll have a good life, a life of abundance and bounty, just as God promised, in a land abounding in milk and honey. Attention, Israel. God, our God, God, the one and only, Love God, your God, with your whole heart. Love him with all that's in you. Love him with all you've got. Write these commandments that I've given you today on your hearts. Get them inside of you and then get them inside your children. Talk about them wherever you are, sitting at home, walking in the street. Talk about them from the time you get up in the morning to when you fall into bed at night. Tie them on your hands and foreheads as a reminder. Inscribe them on the doorposts of your homes and on your city gates. So what's the message here? Talk about it. Talk about these things with your kids. Be intentional about passing on your faith to your children. Have those conversations. Work with the church. They want to pour into you. They want to help you grow. They want to give you tools. 
Take advantage of those things. Sign up for the parenting course. I'm totally biased. It's an amazing course. It's really, really good. And be with community. Be with people, other parents that are going to walk alongside you. They're going to encourage you on the hard days. On the days that you fail, you can say, I blew it today. I totally did it all wrong today. And I yelled at my kids, and I lost parent of the year. No gold star for me. There's no trophy. I'm done. And other parents can say, you got this. I believe in you. I'm praying for you. You're going to have a better day tomorrow. We were never meant to do this alone. We were created for fellowship. We were created for community. So this, it's important. Make that time. You know, I feel like none of this is probably new. None of this is probably new to you. You've probably heard all of these things before. I really felt in prayer that, you know what, people needed not so much instruction, but more reminding. This is a reminder of what's important. This is a reminder to go back to set your mind on the things above. Let's reset. Let's do that today. So legacy can be hard. It takes time. It can even be painful. It causes you to think about things maybe you don't want to think about. But it's so worth it. Your people are watching you. The people in this church are watching you. And we're, we're called to be a light. And if we can't figure it out here, it's going to be really hard for us to take it out there. We're called to that. We can do it. We were never meant to do this alone. And maybe you're here today and you're a parent, a grandparent. Maybe you're not a parent. Maybe you're a young adult. Maybe you're not married. But however you're here today, you were never meant to do this alone. And if you feel like you have been, I just want to encourage you. You weren't created to be alone. You were created to be in fellowship with Jesus Christ. He died for you. So if you're here today, maybe you're saying, okay, that was me. I've been trying to do this whole life on my own. I've been trying to do it all myself, and it's not working. I need a redo. I need a reset. If that's you today, can I just encourage you to come and talk to a pastor? Come and pray. We want to introduce you to your Heavenly Father who died for you who came to us in our humanity, not saying, I'm going to wait until you figure it out and you're ready, and when you're good enough, then I will let you in. No, he came to us in our humanity saying, I love you, and I want to help you. I want to pick you up right where you're at. So if that's you today, definitely come and talk to one of the pastors. But I just want to ask you, if this spoke to you and you're feeling like, yes, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this. I am going to go home, and I'm going to really think about the legacy that I'm leaving, and I'm going to make a decision to be intentional about passing on my faith. Would you just stand? Would you just stand in your seat right now? If you would say, I'm going to do it. I'm going to make the decision to take that time. For the people in my life, maybe they're kids, maybe they're grown kids, maybe it's your parents you're ministering to. Even if you're a young adult and you would say, you know what, I'm going to be intentional about building the legacy that I want. Thank you. Guys, let's look around the room because you guys are family. If this is your first time here, welcome to the family. <laughs> guys, we all commit. I'm leaving today. But you guys all commit, right, to encourage one another, to pray for one another, support each other. 
We can do this. We were never meant to do it alone. And with Jesus, we can absolutely leave a legacy that will last for our children's children. Thank you so much. You have been listening to Cold Lake Community Church Podcast. We hope that you've been blessed by this teaching from Cold Lake Community Church. Thank you for your continued support of this ministry. Cold Lake Community Church, a place where families connect.